listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Nutmeg Arena podcast or as we call it the TNA podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. I'm the host Ruthvik and welcome to another episode. In today's episode we have Zach Lowy, the co-creator of Breaking the Lines and who's also one of the most amazing accounts to follow on Twitter. He tweets a lot about young footballers and footballers' stories as well and he has brought a lot of people, a lot of people who have wanted to write about football together and curated their content in a site called breakingthelines.com as well. So Zach Lowy is a guest for today's episode. We'll be talking about a lot of young players that has probably, you know, sparked up this season and not the usual names like Jaden Sancho etc but some names that you might have heard of pretty less so let's go straight into the podcast and i hope you guys enjoy it as well welcome to the show sack uh, first of all happy birthday and hope you are safe so how's it in the us right now yeah thank you so much for the work um it's you know it's it's uh it's complicated because um different states are trying different things um for example there are some states that are being responsible and you know issuing lockdown measures and stay at home measures whereas there are others that aren't really enforcing it that much um and you know allowing people to go to church and what not um so it's a bit tough but i think overall we're just you know trying to take the best measures possible and you know just pray everything uh goes well and uh gets sorted back to normal soon yeah great so before we actually move on to the podcast topic um you are one of the best football accounts on twitter on football twitter one of the best accounts to follow and I guess I can see most WhatsApp groups, most WhatsApp football groups, sharing your tweets because you you, you uh, deserved it, you you earned it, you work a lot. That because that is to be seen in all your threads, long analysis threads and stuff like that. But it all started from you playing FIFA, if I'm not wrong, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I would say that like partially, yeah. Um, I mean, before FIFA, I was um, I did play football um, more than I watched, um, but you know, eventually, I think with all those stuff, I sort of lost a bit of passion with the other sports that I was following, um, and was you know really just became really addicted to football. So I would say it was. Definitely a bit of FIFA, but also probably more so just playing the sport um, that, you know, made me want to watch it and made me get into it. And, yeah, I mean, to this day, I still love, um, there's really, you know, not much that I love more than just, you know, kicking the ball around with a friend, uh, you know, shooting penalties or, you know, just playing a five-a-side game. That's kind of how... I think that's probably how most people in the world um, get interested into in football. Is it's by playing it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so let's get on to the podcast now. So we'll be discussing about uh, you know, we, although we can't cover it extensively because I know you have a lot to talk about. But since the time is limited, we'll cover most young players or you know the most. Under 23 or young footballers uh, who really impressed this season and probably last season as well, who, who's just jumped into the scene and kind of impressing the whole world. We'll probably keep aside Mbappe because a lot of people have already talked about him and we all know that although he's really young, he falls into the young player category. He is probably, I'd say, the rival to Messi and Ronaldo's throne. Uh, in the near future so i don't think mbappe needs uh, to be discussed today but we still have a lot of other players 
like uh, especially for people who follow your threads they might have got to hear a lot of names as well and i guess you also do uh, i mean i guess and thread not not really a thread but an article series on football index if i'm not wrong on young players that have got your eye as well so so let's start with the premier league probably and for you who 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 are the young players that has really impressed this season and you know, what what do you think about their ceiling and their their clubs and their future yeah i mean there are certainly a lot of players uh the young players who are um pressing at the premier league which you know for many is the top level of uh european football um you know there's I just wrote an article on the um, the class of 2000 for that Coza looking at England's class of 2000. Um, but really, I mean, it's not just those class of 2000 players, you know, whether that's Phil Foden or Kael Mitzendoy that are impressing, but players in other age groups who are still just so young. I mean, looking at whether it's whether they're playing for a top team like. Uh, like Trent Alexander-Arnold is um or whether they're playing for a team that's you know more of a mid-table side such as Burnley's Dwight McNeil they're really just so impressive um I think one player who's definitely caught my eye this season has been Mason Greenwood um he's really you know assumed a he's he's assumed, he's assumed a lot of responsibility uh you know with the departures of Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez and he's you know done very well whenever given a chance um you know i think that the decision to uh let go of Alexis and Lukaku was a risky one i don't think it necessarily paid off but the one good thing that came out of it was that it allowed Greenwood with uh, so much more uh, time to uh showcase his potential so i definitely think that he's a player who will be just continuing to improve and continuing to uh you know be polish his skills and become an elite level goal scorer uh, apart from greenwood you know just so many uh off the top of my head you know bukayo saka on arsenal has done really well um whether played on the wing or in a wing back role i think he might i could i can envision him having a you know playing at wing back or left back um for arteta just because of his unique qualities so he's definitely a player who had a lot le- who had less hype going into the season than greenwood but uh he's done incredibly well yeah so greenwood actually probably reminds a lot of us uh, about uh, robin van persie as well there is a shade of van persie's you know shooting in in greenwood so we've seen uh, we've, seen, we've seen multiple goals from greenwood this season and you can probably compare that shooting style with van persie's i can also compare the gameplay although greenwood is you know quite more faster and uh, would say probably good with both the feet as well but uh, dwight mcneil is another name like you said who's really come on to the scene but when you talk about under 23 players probably norwich's todd cantwell has also been really impressive as well as billy gilmore you know because uh, for gilmore it's probably a little bit more harder to get into the first 11 although lampard is uh, trying out with young players because you have a midfield three of Jorginho, Kovacic and Kante. So it's probably a little bit hard for him to get get in there and it's understandable but what do you think about these players' ceilings and and th- there is a question for you actually from Twitter. So he was asking what do you uh, what is your opinion of Billy Gilmore going forward and is Frank Lampard going to use him much much more next season? or is he going to go on loan somewhere like Ethan Ampadu has Yeah, I mean, I don't think he will go out on loan. Um time will tell obviously, but when you look at it, 
you've got a player who is, you know, already impressing against likes of Everton and Liverpool. Um, you know, he there were rumors that he could have gone on loan, that he was going to go out on loan uh, this summer after doing well in preseason. But Lampard decided to keep him and uh, work with him. So, you know, I suppose there's a chance of going out on a championship loan. But I just think that, you know, with Gilmore's case, it uh, it probably make more sense for him to stay, um, especially given the fact that Ampadu hasn't really played much at Leipzig and so hasn't really uh, proven worthy of a first-team spot more than Gilmore has. Um, but, you know, he's a delightful player to watch. One of the biggest concerns going in uh, was his his size and his height. Um, I believe he's like five foot six. So certainly one of the smaller players. But, uh, you know, as we saw in in the match against Liverpool and the match against Everton, he wasn't just, you know, instrumental in building the play and knitting together passes. He was also, you know, you know, being, um, you know, breaking up plays and positioning himself well to intercept passes. So I definitely think there's, uh, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic for Gilmore. Um, and yeah, I think that, I mean, they're, Chelsea have a lot of uh, promising young midfielders, whether that's Loftus-Cheek, despite his injury struggles, or uh, Mason Mount. But Gilmore's definitely a different profile than anyone they have on that roster, apart from Jorginho. Um, And, you know, it's unclear whether or not Jorginho will stay uh, past... I don't know, 2021, he is getting up there in terms of age, so I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they decide to cash in on him before his value declines. Um, But, you know, in the meantime, I definitely do expect Gilmore to play a deputy role to Jorginho. Yeah, fair enough. So, another couple of players that that, that are young but have really been impressive whenever they played and their Phil Foden is one from Manchester City. Matteo Ginduzi is another for Arsenal. Despite Arsenal's underwhelming season so far, uh, I guess Ginduzi has kind of improved. Yes, under Unai Emery, probably at times he was looking out of sorts. Probably one of his weakness, I would say, is keeping the ball too long or maybe not releasing the ball at the right time. But he's still young. He's still just 20, if I'm not wrong. 20 or 21, if I'm not wrong. He has a long future ahead of him as well. And he's a really talented youngster. And so is Phil Foden, who is absolutely massive. With David Silva probably leaving at the end of the season. And Bernardo Silva has also kind of you know dipped in form. His form has gone down quite a bit this season. And... I'm pretty sure that Foden would also get a lot of minutes next season under Guardiola. Uh, we saw him starting in the Carabao Cup final against Aston Villa too. So, your take on both these players, Gendouzi and Foden? Right. Uh, Gendouzi turns 21 in a week, if I'm not mistaken. So, it's important to have, um, you know, to be mindful of his age when you, you know, analyze him. It's he's definitely somewhat of a hot and cold player. Uh, Arsenal fans and neutrals can certainly go from saying, "Oh man, this kid's the next big thing," to, you know, should we sell our should we sell Guendouzi to you know buy another midfielder? But frankly, I think that um, I think that while he definitely is raw. And you know, needs to be polished. I think that Arsenal need players like Wenduzi in the squad. Um, you know, I, he's he's a he's got a lot of signs of being a leader, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's you know if he wears the armband for them one day. I mean, in order to do so, I think that he definitely needs to improve on his discipline. I mean, there are just sometimes, especially late in the game, where he'll make. Just really, 
immature fouls, you know, and pick up the booking. But looking at his characteristics and looking at his performances under Emery, you, know, you can clearly see the signs of um, of a promising player. But one thing that really caught my eye whenever I was seeing him under Emery is how you know, sometimes Arsenal would blow a lead or they'd go behind or they would uh, the other team would equalize. And Guendouzi would really just step up um, and, you know, become a leader in, you know, winning the ball back and pushing forward and just really not, never, uh, never stopping his runs until the last whistle. I think that that, that mental fortitude and that resilience is, is something that any coach can admire in a player. Um, but with that being said, you do you have seen over the past few months how he still needs uh, to be polished. I think that playing in a more chaotic system, such as that of Unai Emery's, as opposed to playing in a more organized uh, possession-based system, such as that too, such as that of Arteta's, definitely expose some of his flaws. Um, but these flaws are improvable. You know, he's not he's not an injury prone player. He's not a uh, a player who certainly do, who who doesn't have any technique. There are certainly some weaknesses in this game, but there are weaknesses that can be uh, improved on and fixed. So I think that he's uh, definitely a promising player to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so probably that is one uh, that that those two are another couple of names. But do you have anyone else from the Premier League uh, in mind that you feel that people should be, you know, uh, looking out for? I mean, yeah, there are so many on uh, pretty much every team. I think you mentioned uh, Todd Cantwell, but. Personally, I think that uh, Emilio Buen- Emilio uh, Buendia is the more impressive player. He's he's a player that I could envision uh, getting a move to a team like Tottenham or potentially even a uh, a mid table side like Leicester if if uh, you know James Madison leaves. So I mean, I think you mentioned most of them, um, but there are really so many. To keep in mind, um, one player, another United player that has impressed um, me a lot has been Aaron Juan Bissaka. I think that uh, you know, in terms of 1v1 defending, I think that's something that a lot of people have uh, you know, brushed the side when they evaluate fullbacks just because the ability to go forward in a fullback is so much more highly valued when you're playing in a top team rather than the ability to defend, but, uh, you know, Juan Bissaka has locked down some of the best wingers in England, and he's only going to get better. Um, and I think even even in the in the, his last few months under Solskjaer, we've seen a lot of, uh, of signs of improvement going forward, whether that's, you know, taking on players or uh, picking the right pass. Definitely some things he needs to work on, I think, uh, Attacking instincts, just the knowledge to know when to make the overlapping run, when to tuck in, things like that uh, that can be coached on and, and improved upon. Um, definitely one player to to keep in mind going forward, though. Yeah, and to to be fair, uh, Van Bissaka's crossing has improved. Uh, I guess he has one or two two assists this season, and not. I'm not really sure about the number, but I'm sure he has one or two assists uh, in the league this season. But which probably he, I guess he hasn't recorded much assists in his career either. But yes, like you said, definitely going forward there is a good improvement under Solskjaer. And as for one v one defending and defending overall, he is absolutely massive because in any one v one situation he is probably the best fullback in the league right now i would say so yeah there's a lot of improvement that's also a really good shout on bisaka and moving on from the premier league to probably spain and germany spain germany and italy i would say probably uh, we have a lot of 
we have another full back who's been quite really amazing and i guess he is also one among the best full backs in the world best young full backs in the world right now i would say alfonso davis from bayern munich so he has kind of really burst onto the scene uh, if i'm not wrong i kind of remember remember you uh, in interviewing him probably i'm not sure but i guess so so what's your take on alfonso davis and what are some other players that you have you know you feel that people should watch out for in the near future uh i never interviewed uh, davis but i did write a piece on him um for football index and i mean he's an incredible player one thing that uh one of the things was you know looking at his progress in mls he was playing for one of the worst teams in the league uh, in the Vancouver Whitecaps which you know almost always finished in the bottom spots but he did very well for them um as a winger and so you know i think that a lot of people despite his impressive performances a lot of people were certainly surprised when he made the uh move to Bayern Munich just because of the steep jump but um you know Bayern have have definitely um uh, made it a point of their transfer strategy as of late to um to scout in uh, North America whether that's i mean bringing in Chris Richards um from FC Dallas to their academy side or bringing in uh Davies they've definitely made it um a point of their you know transfer strategy so Davies is a very special player in that um he's you don't really know what his his future position is i mean it's his natural position is certainly on the wing he's played on either flank uh but he's as as we've seen in bayern he's gained a reputation as one of the really one of the best left backs in europe this season um he was kind of thrown into the deep end by uh Hansi Flick didn't get much playing time under Niko Kovac but he was you know given a starting spot under Flick due to the um various injuries that Bayern were forced to cope with um whether that was you know Lucas Hernandez or um Niklas Sul so he was thrown into the deep end there but did extraordinarily well in an unnatural position um although i believe that he he played it at fullback like when he was i don't know 13 or something playing for uh, one of the youth teams in edmonton i'm not sure but I'm, i think that he was played in fullback before moving on to winger so he's really um you know he's the leader of this canada team which is has got a lot of very impressive young talents um uh, i mean looking at Jonathan David from Ghent Zwan um Steven Stephen Ustakio on Cruz Azul is another one um you know there is the sense that after so many um after so many years of disappointment Canada can actually uh put something special together and you know they will be in the World Cup in 2026 I don't know about 2022 that might be a bit of a bit of a leap for them but 2026 they are obviously confirmed uh to be playing with them uh joining Mexico and the United States as joint hosts of the World Cup so you know when that when that happens um the likes of Davies, Jonathan David, Ustakio and um you know so many more like for example Zachary Brault Duard and a lot of other players are going to be um are going to be in their prime so i think that it's pretty much it's pretty much confirmed that davies is going to be a key player for the national team and club team going forward uh, whether or not the likes of you know ustakio or uh, balu tabla can live up to their potential and um you know put together some some necessary pieces for that canada team to thrive uh only time will tell 
Yeah, so yeah, that that because yeah, I guess USA, Mexico, and Canada are uh, going to jointly host the 2026 World Cup. So yes, uh, it's going to be a really good stage for them after, like you said, after so many years to finally showcase what they've got. And like you said, they've got a, a pretty good number of amazing talents coming through as well. So that is one thing, and I guess the Bundesliga has some. other amazing talents as well two names that a lot of people have already talked about or talk about very much is are probably uh, jaden sancho and erling broad holland holland has been absolutely massive he he's kind of like a terminator this he's been an absolutely wonderful goal scoring machine this season uh, and sancho like usual he is the transfer target for clubs like united and chelsea and it looks like he might move this summer as well from dortmund and holland has been absolutely massive like i said uh, in the champions league with salzburg as well in in, in they were a uh, group with liverpool uh, and napoli being the big contenders uh, along with them so he was on fire completely in the champions league i guess he scored five goals in six appearances uh, in the champions league and he signed for dortmund uh, in january and has completely blown away the bundesliga as of now it's it, i i guess it's kind of a uh, robert lewandowski rebirth for dortmund to be honest i guess he kind of uh, you know kind of resonates what Lewandowski used to do for Dortmund as well so a few words on Holland and Sancho Yeah I mean Holland has been um I think only eclipsed by Lewandowski as the best center forward in in the continent this season um it's just incredible how you know in this first season at the top level um he's just really dominated some of Europe's top sides um there are certain things that he needs to work on um i think that among them hold up play you know he needs to improve his you know holding the ball up and uh and passing but even without that he's still uh without a doubt one of the top center forwards in Europe and I think I don't know I don't I don't think there's any club that uh part of thing of a club that wouldn't like be interested in him uh whether that's I mean probably not next summer but I would say maybe the summer of 2021 I think that he'll I think that he'll stay at a uh, Dortmund for another season and then make the big move so um yeah I mean Haaland as as a player i mean he's just so um he can really strike fear in the mind of of any center back um and that's I mean, that's a unique trait especially for a kid that i think is still just 19 years old um i mean there's there's not much to be said about him that hasn't already been said but uh i think that he considering the fact that pretty much every top side in Europe uh were after him in January after his incredible um season after his incredible first half um of the season at Salzburg I think that it was definitely the wisest choice to uh to move to Dortmund granted they were um they were willing to insert a release clause in his contract which I don't believe United were willing to do but even even looking past that i mean dortmund is just a very healthy club for young players to develop at and you saw that with so many young forwards whether that be lewandowski smane dembele or even jaden sancho um and of course dortmund were in desperate need of a center forward with um with you know like Sabaka Ser and Goats not really performing but Holland was has been just incredible from the very start 
and uh, I think that I I can't remember the last time uh, a player has really just kind of come out of nowhere and just become you know, the next big thing. I think that last time I remember seeing a player do that, it was with Mbappe at Monaco. Um, you know, Holland wasn't completely unknown. Uh, going into the season, he did score uh, did score a record amount of goals in a U-20 World Cup match this summer against, I think it was Honduras. Um, but the majority of football fans weren't really aware of him, but they certainly are now. I'll say that. Yep, so these are the obvious names that uh, comes on to someone's mind when you talk about the Bundesliga in general, but there have been some other players, young players as well, who's done pretty well and is kind of you know, the next generation superstars players like uh, Marcus Thuram, for example, for Gladbach, uh, Mamadou Dukure as well. He's another Gladbach player and uh, Tyler Adams for Leipzig. Although Ethan Ampadu as well, like we said earlier, although he hasn't featured much, but these players are like uh, no really interesting ones. And there is one more player, I guess, with Schalke Matondo as well, who has probably been impressive. And as for Leverkusen, uh, there is one name that is that is really hot in the market, uh, Kai Havertz as well, who who has kind of stepped up for for a pretty long time now. And there are players like these as well who don't steal the spotlight much, but they're really good. So. From these set of players, uh, can you pick two players who you think you know, are pretty much underappreciated but who are really, really talented to step on to the next level? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd pick two players who aren't really big names yet but are ready for the next step. I would... Um, it's a tough one, but... I guess I would probably say Diogo Lete of uh, Porto and uh, Darwin Nunes of Almeria. Nunes um, was playing in Uruguay last year, but uh, he was one of the many um, players, mostly under 23, who arrived at Almeria following... Um, their big money takeover, and you know after that they've just they signed an incredible amount of players. Um, you know I think Almeria were third upon the closure of the or upon the uh, you know upon the uh, the delay of the season, but Nunes was really playing a key role in that. I mean he's. Really, a, a top-notch goal scorer, um, so so incisive as a as a forward. He's got you know, he's got end product. He's got um, he can stretch the defenses with his pace and dribbling. And you know, looking at this Uruguay side, there it's not going to be easy to replace uh, Suarez and Cavani, who are certainly at the. Uh, know the end of their reign as top players but i think that nunez is one player who could uh could certainly help them during their overhaul uh with regards to diogo lete he's a portuguese center back who uh was key in portugal's um u20 u19 euros uh title in 2018 in Finland uh, played a key role there, but he hasn't quite gotten playing time that he deserves under Sergio Conceição, and that's mostly because Conceição, uh, you know, has always preferred to trust his veteran players. So you see the likes of, you know, this season Chancel Mbemba, uh, ex Newcastle center back. And uh, Ivan Marcano, who returned from Roma, 
after previously leaving on a free transfer just a year prior. Um, so I don't think that the the fact that Lecce hasn't really gotten any regular game time at Porto uh, means that he should be written off. I think that he's a very promising young defender. And Portugal are in desperate need of center backs. I mean, Pepe is pretty much at the end of his time. will probably retire within the next uh, year or so. Others such as uh, Jose Font or um, you know, Bruno Alves certainly don't have much time left either. So you know, as Portugal look to undertake this overhaul, I think that Nate will be one of the center backs uh, expected to step up into a leading role, along with you know, Benfica's Ruben Dias um, and Ferro, as well as uh, you know, perhaps Olympiacos's Ruben Semedo. But Leite is a very um, talented young defender who it's actually rumored that he will leave for Valencia this summer for 20 million euros, which would be a great fee for Porto, considering the fact that they're in a, uh, an extremely delicate financial situation right now, um, and they need to sell. They need to sell to keep the pace with Benfica financially. So it would be a good piece of business for them. But I think that he can end up becoming a massive bargain for, uh, for Valencia if he does go there uh, moving forward. Yep, and another few players that have kind of really stepped up, young players that have kind of really stepped up uh, are uh, Eduardo Camavinga and uh, uh, Bubaka Sumare and Victor Osimhen as well from Lille. And probably um, one more name that I kind of uh, think, I can kind of think of as Maxence Kakere from Leon as well. So these players have kind of come onto the scene, and I guess these are another two, four, three, four players that are kind of uh, kind of promising. And uh, the names, the kind of names that we are gonna hear a lot uh, in the news and discussions uh, in the next few years as well. So in terms of France, France is kind of a big factory of late in producing the best young players, especially the League One. No, not just French internationals, but the League One in general, League One. So, your picks, what would your picks be from League One, especially the young players, in terms of the young players and players that are you know, less known of? Um, right, there are a lot of players to keep in mind with regards to League One. Um, one player who isn't necessarily young, but who could be uh, the could be getting a big move this summer would be on on his, uh, defensive midfielder Baptiste Santa Maria. He's 25 years old and has just really been instrumental in you know anchoring the midfield, um, winning back possession and. Uh, really orchestrating the possession of that team. He's definitely the fulcrum of that midfield. So I think that after being uh, denied a move this previous summer, I think that Anders will probably sell for sell him for around the region of twenty twenty five million. So you know, for teams that don't want to spend, I don't know, eighty million on Wilfred and Didi. I think that Santa Maria makes a lot of sense and would certainly start for uh, plenty of Premier League sides. Moving past that, um, Lille have a lot of interesting talent, as usual. I mean, and that's to be expected when you've got Luis Campos as your sporting director. Um, Renato Sanchez is... One player who has sort of risen from the ashes. I think a lot of people left him for dead um, and buried him six feet under. 
after his failed loan spell at Swansea City, and after you know really failing to make the grade at Bayern. Um, but frankly, I mean, uh, Renato, while the move to Bayern was definitely too early for him, he's proving that a move to Lille is just what he needed to uh, resurrect his career, having the responsibility on his shoulders to, um, to create and, and just, you know, operate in the box box role that suits him most. It's interesting how me, how Lille uh, brought several uh, attack attackers, such as um, Timothy Weah, for example, and uh, Yusuf Yasiki to fill the role that uh, Nicolas Pepe left with his record-breaking uh, transfer to Arsenal. But it wasn't any of the attackers, well, it wasn't any of the wingers, let me say, who filled that role. Instead, it was uh, Renato, who has you know, shown, showcased his attacking tools, as well as just why he was such a highly rated prospect at Benfica. Another player to keep in mind at Leo uh, would be Victor Rossiman. He is um, he arrived in the summer from Charleroi to replace uh, Rafael Leao, and he's done very well. I would say even better than Leao uh, did at Leo. Just really, um, I think he scored like seven winning goals for Lille and he's just really such a clutch goal scorer um, really one of those players who can lead a, an attack um, by himself and so I think that going forward he's definitely going to be one of the most pursued center forwards in Europe Yeah, so Ligon has actually a lot of amazing talents as well but before we kind of you know, move on from this particular young player topic, uh, I'd like to hear one more, uh, your opinion on one more name, that is the, the striker who's on loan at Rangers for Steven Gerrard, Hagi. He has been quite impressive as well for Rangers this season and uh, despite Alfredo Morelos' you know, uh, disciplinary issues and you know, although he scores, but he has a lot of disciplinary issues as well, Morelos. But Hagi has been a good addition for Gerard, even though it is on loan. So, a few words on him as well. Yeah, um, Hagi has been certainly an interesting case. Um, you know, he caught, I think, most people's eye during the uh, U21 Euros last summer. And, of course, a lot of people had known about him um, due to his name, his being the son of George Hagi, as well as um, you know, making the move to... as well as playing for Fiorentina. But, you know, I think that some people thought that Gank, moving to Gank, was going to be a good move, given their excellent reputation as a talent developer. But... Um, you know, he was still a bit too raw for that level, so he went on loan to uh, Rangers and really just been very impressive there, I think. Um, looking at his just his performances and how he's gone from, you know, a bench warmer at Gank to, you know, starting in the Europa League and, and scoring. Um, it's, it's not something that should be taken lightly, but I think that obviously it's important to tread lightly. Um, and you know, I'm not sure he's necessarily ready for a Premier League yet, Premier League move yet. Um, but I definitely think that looking at his vision and his, um, his end product, yeah, I could I could see him potentially getting a, a a move this summer. 
Yes, yes. So, yeah, that is probably right as well. Uh, I think he's played a good part in Rangers' run. Uh, although uh, they've not been, Rangers haven't been really impressive probably in the last two, three months before football uh, stopped. Uh, probably that derailed their title charge as well. But Hagi has been a really good addition for Steven Gerrard's team. So moving on from young players, we were planning to discuss one more topic, although it's probably short, but with the coronavirus uh, situation getting worse and this is a time when a lot of non-playing football staffs who work in, work in, the fo- who work in football clubs kind of find it really, really hard. So especially in the UK, they, the government actually... Uh, Gave, uh, the government actually introduced a scheme where uh, businesses could actually pay from the government's fund as well. But it seems as though the Premier League clubs have also decided to use those schemes, which is quite uh, unacceptable to be honest because Premier League clubs generate a lot of revenue, especially TV revenue as well. And they are almost everyone. I guess not, not almost probably everyone is capable enough of paying off all their staff as well. So in the wake of that, uh, Spurs, Newcastle, Bournemouth and surprisingly enough, Liverpool have also joined in, you know, although Liverpool said that they would be paying all their staff 100%, but they were going to use 20% of the club's money and 80% from the government scheme as well, which seemed quite you know sad or say it's kind of it kind it kind of doesn't reflect what liverpool football club stands for as well so your take on this situation right um um there Liverpool understand that fans will feel hard done by this, um, but I don't think I don't think that the Premier League will make any decision until probably by the earliest. I mean, mid May, because we don't want to lose um, money. So I would not expect them. I, w- I would expect them to wait. Um, to move to closed doors and just broadcast it pretty much every TV and every restaurant just so that um, so I mean I think that really teams are and, and European teams in general are going to be trying to find ways to stay creative and to find ways to work around this crisis um, there's really no easy answer though especially because different countries have different curves. So, you know, hypothetically, I could imagine uh, you know, a country like Italy or Austria recovering by know, the, the start of May. Whereas another country such as England or Spain is going to still be uh, you know, damaged and and having a lot of issue um, maintaining virus and maintaining the outbreak. So I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it did upset me to see teams such as um, Liverpool, Tottenham, Brighton, really so many Premier League teams um, laying off or furloughing their workers you know their owners almost all of them are billionaires uh so i i think that you know, if, if you're the owner you, if you've got to you know take a pay cut or you know ask your players to take a pay cut or do both ideally and uh make sure that your most vulnerable workers are um are still earning money that they need to survive during these difficult times. 
yeah just so as we were discussing right now about this particular uh, set of events or you no know, clubs deciding to keep their staffs on furlough uh, looks like uh, i just got a notification from twitter so looks like liverpool have kind of decided to reverse their decision so there's been a official statement from peter moore the ceo of the club so they've decided to you know not use the government's fund which is which is uh, which they should have done in the first place but looks like fan pressure as well as ex players uh, you know putting in the pressure on the club has probably made them you know do the right thing so looks like the decision from liverpool has been reversed and yeah so that's that probably you know, brings us to the end of the podcast i know that uh, there's a lot of more things that we could have discussed but uh, with limited time on the podcast yes we have to end here so thank you so much zack for you know joining in on the podcast uh, once again wish you a very happy birthday and you know wish you a really amazing year ahead so thank you so much for coming on to the podcast thank you so much for uh, for having me i appreciate you know being able to come on and uh, chat football and i definitely hope to be on again soon great absolutely we we, we look forward to you know, having you on the podcast again soon as well so thank you so much and thank you to all our listeners as well for tuning into this episode hope uh, you enjoy the content and you no know, stay safe stay home and thank you